0: paying some Stormy Daniels woman 130000 I mean, which is going to turn out to be perfectly legal.
1: <laughs> I don't think so, Mr. Giuliani.
2: Well, I don't know why I came here tonight. one reason. I got the feeling that something right. No, it ain't. I'm so scared in case I fall off
1: my chair. And I'm how I'll get down the stairs.
2: To the left me, to the right Here I am Stuck in the middle with you Yep Yes, i stuck in the middle with
1: you Stuck indeed From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles This is the Bradcast As heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA Up in Oregon on the Central Coast On KYAQ in Cottage Grove on Queso. In Lancaster, Pennsylvania on WLRI And Maui, Hawaii on KAKU in Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, we're going to be talking about you today, Ohio. In Palinville, New York on WLPP, Grand Rapids, Michigan's WPRR, New Orleans' WHIV, Gallup, New Mexico's KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire's WNHN, in Fayetteville, Arkansas KPSQ, Seattle, Washington's KODX, Red Bluff and Redding, California's KFOI, Round Mountain, California's KKRN, and Minneapolis, St. Paul's AM950, KTNF. We also stream coast-to-coast and around the globe every day on the internets on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Indie Media Weekly, FYI Nation, NicoleSandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, GDPR, Revolution 99, Workforce Rising, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth five days a week. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker all around. Swell fellow says me from bradblog.com. Well, Desi Doyen, let me ask you (laughs) do you think that we will soon see another one of those stories from the Washington Post or the New York Times along the lines of inside the White House following Rudy Giuliani's admission on Fox News that Donald Trump used his own money to pay off a porn star with whom he was having an affair? The president seethed for hours <laughs> shouting at aides about that idiot Giuliani and threatening to fire the man he had just hired days before to represent him. Uh, do you think, we'll, according to 27 different sources inside the White House,
2: seems likely
1: you think we're going to hear something like that? Uh, I think that uh, Politico's Jack Schaefer may have hit the nail on the head when he tweeted today, quote, Having Giuliani in the mix is almost like having a second Trump.
2: Oh my gosh, that's actually quite insightful. Right?
1: Sort of the last thing we need, but I think uh, I I think he might be about right. The last thing we need is uh, actually one Trump at this point, much less two of them. We will review uh, what we can of that latest mess momentarily, uh, even as we continue to keep our eyes or to try to keep our eyes on the prize. That for now being this November's elections to help end our national emergency. And on that front, we've got statewide midterm primary elections coming up on Tuesday in West Virginia, North Carolina, Indiana, and the great and always controversial state of Ohio, where a lawsuit has now been filed in advance of the primary there to try and force the state Um, To not destroy digital ballot images that the public could use to review results if there are any questions about them in Ohio? Uh, Never. Uh, nonetheless, <laughs> we will be joined by uh, by two of the folks behind that just filed lawsuit momentarily.
2: Yes, and if you want to understand why Brad is laughing about Ohio, just go to Bradblog.com and click on the Ohio category oh, yeah. and dive down that rabbit hole.
1: Yeah, you better bring some, uh, some <laughs> provisions, some food. It's going to take you a while. Uh, all right. Uh, well, uh, <laughs> let's start here. Uh, President Trump... In a Rose Garden ceremony on Thursday, announced an executive order to create his version of a faith-based office. During a Rose Garden ceremony in front of 200 religious leaders, the timing of the event on National Prayer Day, National Day of Prayer, comes as Trump continues to receive attention—new attention today—for a settlement that his lawyer paid to Stormy Daniels an actress in pornographic films who has said she had a sexual encounter with the president more than a decade ago that according to the Washington Post that hush money settlement as you know was paid just days before the 2016 presidential election at the ceremony Donald Trump said he's responsible for people saying merry christmas more oh gosh and talking more openly about prayer he said, quote, uh, don't you notice a big difference between two or three years ago and now? <laughs> Faith-based offices were considered major announcements under the past three presidents. However... Trump's announcement on Thursday came as a surprise this morning to many observers. It was absent from the White House daily schedule, and some attendees from the religious community at today's Rose Garden event said they were told only of the National Day of Prayer Blessing and nothing of the executive order. Huh. Wonder why Donald Trump suddenly would want to uh, try to make big news, particularly within the religious community, today of all days. Uh, Yeah, maybe it has something to do with this. Donald Trump on Thursday directly contradicted his earlier statements that he knew of no payment to Stormy Daniels, the pornographic film actress uh, who says she had an affair with him. According to the New York Times today, Trump said he paid a monthly retainer to his former lawyer and fixer, Michael Cohen, and suggested that the payment by Cohen to the actress could not be considered a campaign contribution. Those comments reiterated an explosive announcement late on Wednesday by one of his recently hired attorneys, that would be Rudy Giuliani, who said on Fox News that the president reimbursed Cohen for the payment to the actress uh, Stephanie Clifford, who goes, who uh, performs as Stormy Daniels, Giuliani described uh, his interview as part of a strategy. The disclosure, nonetheless, caught several Trump advisors by surprise, sending some scrambling on Thursday morning to determine how to confront the situation. In fact, it caught Sean Hannity by surprise when Rudy Giuliani told him about it on Fox News on Wednesday night. Paying. Some stormy Daniels woman,
0: 130000 I mean, which is going to turn out to be perfectly legal. That money was not campaign money. Sorry, I'm giving you a fact now that you don't know. It's not campaign money. No campaign finance violation. So they, they funneled it through the law firm. Funneled through the law firm, and the president repaid it. Oh, I didn't know he did. Yep. There's no
1: <laughs> campaign finance law. Zero. <laughs> so you could kind of tell that uh, Sean Hannity was certainly caught off guard. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe Rudy Giuliani was caught off guard with what ended up coming out of his mouth uh, with Hannity. In three tw- three Twitter posts on Thursday morning, clearly written by an attorney, not by Donald Trump, uh, on Donald Trump's own Twitter feed— The president repeated some of what Giuliani said on Wednesday night, specifically that Trump had had, in fact, repaid one hundred thirty thousand dollars. This payment that Cohn had made to Clifford just days before the presidential election in 2016. His tweets on Thursday were far more formal and legalistic than his typical morning messages to the world, says The New York Times. Uh, those tweets normally include words in all capital letters, punctuated with exclamation points. Not this time. Here is the statement that is clearly written by an attorney, uh, not by Trump, uh, that was on his Twitter feed this morning. Mr. Cohen. Notice, not Michael Cohen, but Mr. Cohen. Mr. Cohen An attorney received a monthly retainer not from the campaign and having nothing to do with the campaign from which he entered into through reimbursement. A private contract between two parties known as a non-disclosure agreement, or NDA. These agreements are very common among celebrities and people of wealth. In this case, it is in full force and effect and will be used in arbitration for damages against Ms. Clifford, parenthetically Daniels, the agreement was used to stop the false and extortionist ex- uh, accusations made by her about an affair, despite already having signaled uh, signed a detailed letter admitting that there was no affair. Prior to its violation, Ms. Clifford and her attorney, this was a private agreement. Money from the campaign or campaign contributions played no role in this transaction. Both Giuliani and Trump in this tweet uh, seem to uh, remove the question of whether it was a campaign finance violation.
2: Well, that's their attempt.
1: That's their attempt. Both of them appear to be very, very wrong about that. And uh, as of a few hours before Giuliani went on television, uh, his revelations were not Part of a wider strategy beyond whatever conversations that Giuliani and Trump may have had that, according to several people close to the president's team. Now, you may remember that shortly after Stormy Daniels, uh, after that affair came to light, before many people were talking about it, Common Cause had filed a complaint with the Justice Department and the Federal Elections Commission charging that the payoff appeared to be a campaign finance violation For a number of differing reasons, depending on who really made the payoff. Uh, But at that time, we had Paul S. Ryan, as you like to call him, the good Paul Ryan.
2: Yes, Paul S. Ryan.
1: of, uh, Of Common Cause. He joined us on the show that day to explain that if Michael Cohen or someone else made the payments to Daniels, someone other than Trump, that would most likely be considered a campaign finance violation if the payment was meant to help the campaign as opposed to merely a personal payoff or something uh, because someone, you know, likes and cares about Donald Trump as a friend or something. But in general, it would be a campaign finance violation if it was by anybody other than Trump because one hundred and thirty thousand dollars would be far in excess of federal campaign donation limits that any single person could give to any one candidate. However, uh, as Ryan told us, if the if if the payment came from Trump himself, it might be legal in that a person is allowed to put as much of their own money into a campaign as they like. Uh, So it always seemed odd that Cohen was insisting that he paid Daniels out of the kindness of his heart and that he was not reimbursed by Trump because if it was Trump's money, it might have been okay. But now, thanks to Rudy Giuliani, who appeared to have stunned Sean Hannity with that comment on Wednesday night, we now have this admission that Trump, not Cohen... Trump had been telling us it was Cohen, uh, but Trump, not Cohen, paid her off. Um, and both Giuliani and Trump are now claiming it was done in installments over a series of months for some reason that I don't understand. But in any event, Giuliani claimed it was a totally personal thing by Trump. Therefore, nothing, as you heard him say, zero had zero to do with the campaign, even though it happened just days before The presidential election. Now, why would Giuliani want to claim that? Well, because if it was Trump, then uh, you know he he's claiming it would be legal, but it would still need to be reported to the FEC, even if Trump made the payment as a campaign donation to himself, which would be legal. That would be okay in general, but he would still have to report it to the FEC as his own campaign donation, which he does not appear to have done. And as Giuliani indicates, uh, if it was done as uh, first uh, with a loan by Cohen and then paid back by Trump, that loan would also need to be reported by the campaign, which it was not. Asked about his remarks after finishing the Fox News interview, On Wednesday night, Giuliani said that uh, what might have seemed to some viewers, including perhaps Mr. Hannity, like a slip of the tongue was actually a planned disclosure. He meant to do it all along. And he reiterated, quote, that removes the campaign finance violation and we have all the documentary documentary proof for it explaining that the president and his other lawyers were well aware of what Giuliani intended to say on the program. As mentioned, it does not, however, remove the campaign violation because it wasn't reported, to my knowledge, and because Giuliani is terrible at this. He then went back on Fox News on Thursday morning and dug the hole even deeper while claiming that, you know, this was just a personal thing, had nothing to do with the campaign, no campaign... Therefore, no campaign violations. Zero. Here's what Giuliani then said on Fox and Friends on Thursday.
0: Imagine if that came out on October fifteenth, twenty sixteen, sure. in yeah, the middle was. of the you know last debate with Hillary right. Clinton.
1: So to make it yeah. go away, they they made this. Cohen
0: didn't even ask. Uh,
1: Cohen did, Cohen made it go away. He did his job. <laughs> so this would seem to cement the idea that it actually was. For campaign purposes. You know, this idea that it was just done uh, separately because someone was worried about uh, Trump's marriage. They didn't want this to get out. They didn't
2: want Melania to find out. So this was
1: not a personal thing. Giuliani admits this was for the campaign. Paul Ryan, again, the Paul, the Paul S. Ryan, the common cause vice president, told The Times Giuliani seemingly thought he was doing the president a favor, but instead made Trump's legal problems much worse. He said Giuliani's admission could allow prosecutors to make the case that Trump knowingly caused his campaign committee to file an incomplete disclosure report with the FEC. Ryan said, until last night, it would have been tough to prove because Donald Trump had denied knowing about the payment, but his reimbursement amounts to knowledge. So Donald Trump knew about it and knowingly didn't report it to the FEC. So this may end up being even worse than that. For both Trump and, frankly, uh, Michael Cohen at this point, Rick Hassan, the UC Irvine election law professor, wrote at Slate about all of this, saying that it looks like um, Giuliani has gotten the president into potentially greater legal jeopardy by admitting that Trump repaid Michael Cohen, for that payment. Cohen said that he had paid the money out of his own pocket and secured a loan to do so. He said that neither the Trump Organization nor the Trump campaign reimbursed him. The president told reporters he had known nothing about the payment. Cohen looked like he could be in legal trouble for this because someone cannot make a $130,000 in-kind contribution to a federal campaign. But now says Hassan, thanks to Giuliani, the picture looks considerably different. If Trump knew that Cohen was advancing him a $130,000 loan for campaign purposes, that would have to be reported by the campaign. These would be campaign expenditures, says Hassan, that the committee must keep track of. As Washington Post's Philip Bump notes, if the Trump Organization facilities were used to help make these payments, because Cohn at the time was working for the Trump organization, then there may be additional campaign violations related to the use of corporate resources for campaigns. Hassan goes on to say, although many campaign violations are handled just as fines, as Giuliani seemed to suggest in his uh, Hannity interview on Wednesday night, that would not be true If this was a willful violation of campaign finance law, those can lead to criminal liability. So if there was an unreported six-figure loan, Hassan says, to the campaign to pay off someone who had an affair with a presidential candidate with repayments facilitated through corporate resources, that seems like a serious enough violation to merit review by the Justice Department. And, of course, that could be part of the reason that Cohen's office and homes were raided a few weeks ago by the FBI, which I had wondered about. I mentioned, I think, on air at the time because it seemed kind of heavy handed. Uh, you know, if this was only about a, you know, a campaign finance infraction that would usually be handled with a small fine, if at all, from the FEC. Um, but now there could be a serious criminal aspect to all of this. Uh, So uh, right now, says Hassan, Trump is in a bit of a bind. Either he lied to the American people or he has an incompetent lawyer. He adds, it could be both.
2: Oh, man. Wow. The plot thickens. Uh,
1: It certainly does. And by the way, uh, Kellyanne Conway's husband uh, <laughs> uh, Kelly White House senior White House advisor, uh, Kellyanne Conway, her husband George Conway, uh, he's not making this thing any better. He cited the FEC noting that, uh, quoting from their website, noting that, yeah, this is not allowable. Uh, so, uh, you know, uh, this is well, anyway. It's a quickly moving story. And I suspect by the next time we're on air, uh, all of this could uh, change yet again. But this is not getting any better for the president. It is getting worse. George Will, of all people who I don't usually like quoting, uh, referred to uh, Donald Trump in a column at The Washington Post today as our temporary president. Good reminder. All of this is just temporary, at least in theory. At some point, Trump will be gone. Hopefully, uh, he's not, uh, you know, filled uh, by someone who is worse. But this is all temporary. So, as the criminal justice system does its work, we, the people, we, the voters, need to do ours to try to overcome this uh, national, if temporary, emergency. And to that end, primary elections coming up in uh, four different states— One of them is Ohio uh, on Tuesday, and they already have an election lawsuit to deal with as those pesky election transparency experts are at it again, trying to keep Ohio from destroying information that could be key to overseeing the results to make sure those results on Tuesday are accurate. We'll be joined by two of those experts, count them two, behind the lawsuit in the Buckeye State right after this. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast. Hey, this is Brad. If you haven't noticed by now, it's no easy feat finding facts, real facts, not alternative facts, over your public airwaves. We try to bring you real facts, truth, and clarity without fear or favor each and every day on the Bradcast. to make a one-time donation or, even better, automated monthly support. It'll take you about 60 seconds, and you can rest easy knowing that we'll be here every day making sense of it all, or at least trying to. That's bradblog.com donate, and thanks.
2: What is known, And the evidence is clear. I'm not alone. There are thousands of us here. This is my democracy.
1: You won't go telling me my vote don't matter anymore. No, you won't.
2: And is not worth
1: fighting for. Welcome back to the broadcast, Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. That is uh, Victoria Parks, who uh, runs our uh, affiliate in Columbus, Ohio, WGRN, a song that she wrote. After the 2004 election in Ohio, for some strange reason, we will be, uh, well, we are heading back to Ohio here momentarily, where they have their own uh, new election coming up for 2018, just days from now. But let's start back here in December in Alabama. As uh, you may recall, there was a special election for the U.S. Senate between Democratic candidate Doug Jones and the controversial right-winger, judge roy moore the contest was highly contentious very closely watched both republicans and democrats had put a lot of money into the race in deep red alabama as the contest was seen as a bellwether for the 2018 midterms and after all a u.s senate seat was up for grabs with the gop holding a very narrow majority in the u.s senate Just before that election last December, a group of election integrity advocates filed a lawsuit attempting to force counties in Alabama uh, where they use hand marked paper ballots tabulated by modern digital optical scan systems to set those systems to retain the digital ballot images that are created by those systems when they scan ballots for tabulation, These type of digital scanners actually take a photograph of each ballot when it is scanned, and then they use that photo, the scanners do, uh, they use that photo to tabulate results. But the machines can be set to delete those ballot images immediately after recording the vote from the photo of each hand-marked paper ballot, or... Those ballot images can be retained, those photographs, so they can be reviewed by the public after an election. Well, the election transparency experts uh, who filed to require Alabama counties to retain those images last December, they were successful in their lawsuit in that the court agreed that ballot images should be retained And the judge ordered Secretary of State John Merrill to inform counties that they should set their digital scanners to retain all images. It was a victory for the plaintiffs and for the voting public, which would have some way to oversee the results for themselves without endangering the original paper ballots in any way. If there were any questions about the results, those ballot images could be released electronically to the public on the Internet for any and all to examine as they liked. Oddly enough, however, the day before the election, I believe it was, Alabama's Republican Secretary of State, John Merrill, went, without notifying the plaintiffs, to the state Supreme Court and had that lower court's order stayed. For some reason, he did so without even notifying the plaintiffs in time to respond before the state's high court made its ruling. Merrill uh, never sent the notice to the counties to tell them to preserve the ballot images. And in a bizarre turn, as some broadcast listeners may remember, Merrill, the secretary of state, ended up blocking me on Twitter after I had politely corrected his entirely inaccurate claim that uh, that Alabama's scanners were not capable of creating and retaining digital ballot images. Well, the Democrat, Doug Jones, ended up winning that U.S. Senate election last December and Republican Roy Moore spent several weeks before he finally conceded claiming that fraud had kept him from winning what should have been a very safe Republican U.S. Senate seat. As I observed at the time, it's too bad that Moore and his Republican supporters um, d- that they didn't have those digital images. That those digital images were not retained, in that they might have been able to quickly and easily review all of the images of the paper ballots for themselves to make sure the hackable computer tabulators at least had tallied results accurately. I suspect they may have wished that there had been digital ballot images to go back and check for accuracy. But alas, there weren't, and they cons- uh, the uh, Republican supporters of Roy Moore can thank the state's Republican Secretary of State for that. In the meantime, next Tuesday, there will be primaries for the crucial 2018 midterm elections in a number of states, West Virginia, North Carolina, Indiana, and... Yes, Ohio. And now the same folks behind the Alabama suit and the positive court ruling there in the uh, in the lower court before the Alabama secretary of state went privately to his pals at the state Supreme Court to get it overturned. Those same folks are now working with folks on the ground in Ohio in the crucial swing state where they have just filed a similar case in hopes of assuring voters on all sides of the aisle have something to look at if there are any questions about results, either in the Tuesday primary or this coming November. According to the press release from Americans United for Democracy, Integrity and Transparency in Elections, or Audit USA, Ohio's Republican Secretary of State John Husted and the boards of election of Franklin and Cuyahoga Counties are facing an Ohio Supreme Court case challenging election practices voters and experts say violate the law. Plaintiffs filed suit to halt the county board of elections plan to destroy key election materials known as digital ballot images immediately after the Tuesday, May 8, state primary election. Cuyahoga County and Franklin County are among the 15 counties in Ohio with newer voting equipment that use digital images to count votes cast on paper ballots. The case asks the judge to order all Ohio counties to follow the voting system manufacturer's instructions to preserve all ballot images as, they argue, required by law. This, they say, can easily be done. The uh, plaintiffs argue in, uh, in time for Tuesday's primary. Joining us now to discuss this case are two of those folks, instrumental to both the Alabama suit and the Ohio suit, and both of whom have been with us on the broadcast in the past. John Brakey is director of Audit USA. He is a longtime election integrity and transparent, uh, transparency champion based in Tucson, Arizona. And Chris Sauter. A a plaintiff's attorney in this case is, among other things, a longtime election attorney and university professor at American University in D.C. He was an early advisor to Barack Obama and Bernie Sanders and even Al Gore back in 2000 after, uh, well, after he had literally written the book on election recounts with 1994's The Recount Primer, considered by many to be a definitive guide to election disputes. Audit USA is a national nonpartisan group working to restore public ownership and oversight of elections. Gentlemen, welcome back to the broadcast, both of you.
3: Thank you. Thank you. Uh,
1: John Brakey, let me start with you. You guys have been going uh, sort of all over the country uh, trying to encourage these cases to be brought in states where... Uh, These type of digital scan systems are used uh, in order to force officials to retain the ballot images, make them available to the public after elections. Any idea uh, how many such states there are right now, John?
0: Well, you know, most of them, believe it or not, have either one county or the whole state, like the state of Maine is 100 percent. Maryland is 100 percent. Rhode Island is 100 percent it's pretty shocking right now nationally it's about 50 percent of the vote is going to be counted on these digital
1: scanners is is and that's important it is important is the default and this is important too is the default setting on these systems uh generally to because i know there's several different settings to either save all images or save only the write in ballot images, or actually, you know, don't save, don't retain any of them. Is it, What is the default on these systems? Do you know? Do they actually, do election well, officials need to turn is. this on?
0: That's a good question, Brad. First off, if the setting comes save all, and that the system was designed that you cannot have a self-destruct button to do this, you have to go in, and you consciously on a daily basis, on the 850, have to destroy the images. And that's something new that we just learned in the case because we brought in a a very well-known scientist that I've known for 14 years, Dr. Thomas W. Ryan, who used to be the chair of the Pima County Commission, who led up buying these machines. And I consider him being probably one of the best experts in the country on this.
1: So he's saying that... you know,
0: he states... But he states very clearly, in his summary, deleting ballot images significantly undermines the integrity of the election system that derives. All of its tabulation data from those images.
1: But what, y- what, what I'm trying to figure out, John, is, uh, is you're saying that the, the machines, when they're delivered to the counties from the, uh, these private election vendors that they are set as you, as far as you know, to actually save all ballot images, and they would have to actually affirmatively change that setting in order to not save all the images?
0: Well, the transfer them. You know, when they get done at the end of the day, they work with uh, uh, thumb drives, mm-hmm. and when you stick the thumb drive into the DS200, it gives a direction, do you want to save all, move everything, bang, put it on the stick, or uh-huh. you have a choice. I see. Now, that means the data is still there onto the machine until you put in a QC stick that sticks in there and resets it. I and see. when it resets it, it wipes out all the old data. got gotcha. But the machines, according to the standards, you cannot delete
1: federally. Gotcha. Well, that's what I want to ask uh, Chris Sauter about. Uh, as I understand it, Chris, um, your case asked the judge to order all Ohio counties to follow the voting system manufacturer's instructions to preserve all ballot images as required by law. What law are you referring to, Chris? Is that federal or state law here?
3: Well, it refers to federal law, but uh, let me just clarify what the lawsuit does. Mm -hmm. Uh, We have named uh, in the lawsuit the Secretary of State and uh, two counties that happen to be the two largest counties in the state, Cuyahoga, where Cleveland is Mm -hmm. and Franklin, where Columbus is, Mm -hmm. and uh, the reason why we named those two, there are 15 counties in the state uh, that use digital, roughly about... uh, a little less than a third of the state's voters mm-hmm. in Ohio vote on uh, digital. And we named them because they, quite frankly, admitted that they were not uh, preserving in, uh, the ballot images. In so many works, they did. In Cuyahoga, they just have not, not admitted it. In uh, Franklin, they denied that there were any ballot images to be saved. Uh,
1: they, they, they so, claim uh, they claimed that their machines d- I mean that sounds yeah, like what they, I heard in Alabama that their machines don't uh, create these images yeah, they the were just
3: trying to, exactly they were just trying to blow us off in other words but okay. um, there, there's a federal statute that was passed in 1960 a long time ago and it was passed during the civil rights era when uh, voters were uh, African American voters were trying to register mm-hmm And uh, local officials, when the Justice Department came down and said, you're not complying, you're not letting these people register, said, well, we don't have any evidence. uh, We don't have any records. And so the statute actually made it uh, uh, has a a criminal uh, penalty if you destroy ballots. Now, as a practical matter, since the civil rights era, the Justice Department hasn't been bringing... Criminal action but mm-hmm. the, the Federal statute requires That all election Materials um, Be preserved for a period Of 22 months Right And um, the um, It doesn't specifically Refer to ballot images mm-hmm. However because of the uh, The nature of This new technology um, What is happening Is that the uh the count uh, the ballot count is being as you explained in your introduction is being made um through the ballot images as mm-hmm. opposed to the paper ballots themselves. It used to be um not long ago and there's still many of these machines around the country, uh optical scan mm-hmm. where the paper ballots themselves um were read mm-hmm. and that's how the the tabulation was made, but now it's done through these ballot images, which make them a part of the chain of custody, uh, clearly makes them um, a an election material under the federal law. So
2: our argument
3: is is clearly that uh um, the practice in these two counties violates um this federal law. Now we we also named the Secretary of State uh, the Secretary of State, as the chief election officer, mm-hmm. has a duty, um, statutory duty, to make sure that each of the counties follows the law. And we're asking the court to order the Secretary of State to uh, instruct all counties, all 15 counties, that use digital balloting uh, to preserve those ballots and comply with the federal law.
1: And- And you guys have had uh, luck uh, setting aside for a moment the Supreme Court in Alabama, which stayed the lower court ruling, but uh, so far, I think it's it's, uh, three separate states, uh, Arizona, Alabama, and uh, somewhere else, I'm I'm all of a sudden forgetting, where uh, the judges have agreed with you that these are, these these digital ballot images are, in fact, election materials that need to be retained for 22 months. Well,
3: the the most recent most recent case is uh, only, a, I think, about three or four weeks old mm-hmm. out of New York. Right. That was a little more advanced. In New York, the state election board declared that um, ballot images uh, were election materials to be preserved. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in a, uh, a local election um, in upstate New York, that was decided by just a handful of folks, mm-hmm. single digits. I forget how many, but right. a very small number. Uh, a citizen um, filed under the State Freedom of Information Act a request for those ballot images. And uh, just a couple of weeks ago, a New York appeals court uh, declared that citizens have the right to access to those ballot images. Um that's ultimately, ultimately where we want to get. Um, but for us in most of the states, aside from Arizona, um, maybe Alabama, mm-hmm. um, Maine, New York, uh, and we believe Maryland, uh, those states we believe uh, are preserving the ballot images. Uh, but the vast majority of what, what we're hearing so far is that there's been no order from the chief elections or officer mm-hmm. and that has meant that uh, the local election officials have been kind of on their own and many of them uh, quite frankly don't have a clue uh, <laughs>
1: yeah apparently what validations are. yeah it, 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 which uh, was the case with the Alabama Secretary of State either that he didn't know what they were or he was lying to me about it and it seems like uh, the way Franklin County Columbus uh, in Ohio has responded that they don't understand it either, or they don't want to understand it. Um, John well, Yeah.
3: In Alabama, the Secretary of State John Merrill was misinformed on a number of issues. As you recall, on election night,
1: yep. he uh,
3: gave an incorrect interpretation of the state's recount law, and mm-hmm. when he was corrected by a law professor at the University of California, Yep. He uh, responded in the same way he responded to you.
1: Yes, he he cut off Rick Hass, and he blocked him on Twitter as well at the time. Uh, so I was not alone. Uh, John Brakey, uh, we, we've talked before about how allowing the public to review actual handmarked paper ballots is uh, really more valuable than anything, but that ballot images, the di- these digital ballot images, are sort of the next best thing. Is, is Am I characterizing that correctly as you see it? You
0: are cer- certainly right. I mean, it, it's really a catch-22 uh, with the original ballots. You know, those are the ones we really would like to have access to, mm-hmm. but they're afraid of election chicanery. They're afraid that somebody... Give a piece of lead below your finger and make a mark if you're a candidate. Mm -hmm. Cause an overvote or make a new vote. Uh, So basically, you need a judge's order to get at them. Mm -hmm. These ballot images don't have that problem. I mean, realistically, these two items, the original ballot, well, really, what is the original? Is it what the machine counted? That copy mm-hmm. or the one that, that was filled out, both of them are important, and both of them are important to proving that democracy is real, that our votes count. There's 106 million people in this country who probably believe what Mark Twain said: if elections were real, they wouldn't let us do it. You know, <laughs> and uh, and what we want to do is to prove to people elections are real. And we also want to immunize the system uh, because the reality is from all my years of experience, the best way to stop a hacker is to take away his impunity to cheat and transparency is a solution. And that's why I quit the integrity movement because I found out that there was very little integrity in the system. I got over it. Transparency is a solution
1: the election transparency movement versus the election integrity movement is that the distinction you're That's making there? Right. <laughs> you, you bet okay uh... well you you have long said uh... whether it was election integrity or transparency that uh... you were working uh... now audit a uh... audit usa it used to be audit a z in arizona you long said that you were working with you know uh, folks from all parties republicans democrats greens libertarians In Alabama, that uh, suit last December, I believe, was filed by uh, Democrats, or it might have been Dems and Republicans. No, it 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 was
3: actually filed by four voters, one Republican, one Democrat, one Independent, and one minister.
1: Uh, okay, thank you for that, that reminder. To it to
3: pray for us all. We're in Alabama.
1: <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, uh, I wanted to That's point to out here you. in Ohio, the lead plaintiff is actually a Green Party gubernatorial candidate, Constance Gadwell Newton. Uh, I believe that uh, she's taking the lead uh, as as the plaintiff in the case. But it seems like all parties would support this. Since, in theory, any of them could end up with questions about results uh, on Tuesday or uh, in November, and I think that's also true in all states, uh, Chris Sauter, uh, have the Democrats and the Republicans jumped in to support this suit in Ohio?
3: Yes, we have affidavits from uh, both Republicans and Democrats, in addition to the lead plaintiff. The uh, The reason why we went with that particular person was really uh, had to do more with procedure. Mm-hmm. Because she's on the ballot, um, it allowed us to cover all the counties without uh, possibly being mm-hmm. uh, suspect to a, a dismissal for lack of standing. That, By having her as the name plaintiff, that assured the standing. Um, but, but we, in effect, have uh, plaintiffs from... Uh, all three parties.
1: And, uh, Chris, very quickly, um, well, two questions for you here. Uh, one, when is the decision expected uh, in Ohio? And two, what's the status of that case in Alabama now, uh, where you had one in the lower court, the uh, state Supreme Court put a stay on it, but I think that that, that case is uh, supposed to continue, is it not?
3: Um, well, as to Ohio, the, the parties are in the process of exchanging... Uh, more briefs. We we certainly hope to get a decision before election day. Um, in Alabama, um, and personally, I think the uh, the court got snookered by uh, uh, the secretary of state's office and the attorney general, mm-hmm. who, as you pointed out, went uh, in and got to what's called an ex parte uh, ruling. They actually we we figured out they pushed the send button as they were walking into. The the chambers of the supreme court
1: (laughs) the the send button to let you know that they were walking (laughs) into uh, the supreme court right
3: right and uh they got uh they got an order within 10 minutes um and uh from uh, i might add from roy moore's former colleagues Mm. um yep and uh we then briefed it we completed our briefings the first week of january Mm -hmm. and um and it has uh, been sitting there ever since. Uh, we've been discussing the strategy, which not, uh, i have not—I don't mind discussing on the air. Of when, in Alabama, we only sued the Secretary of State, mm-hmm. and uh, Alabama is about 85% digital, unlike many of these other counties, right. states that we're talking uh, that we're talking about that are um, less than 50%. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, we're talking about going back and suing the counties themselves uh, for noncompliance. We do know that there are at least a couple of counties that are preserving the ballots in Alabama, but uh, the vast majority are not. And uh, that may be the way to go in order to, uh, uh, to wake up the Supreme Court on this. I think that they might be embarrassed uh, by the fact that they um, issued an order that was contrary to law. Mm-hmm. and um, as a result, they're sitting on it. But uh, it, it wouldn't be the first time that an appeals court uh, sat on a case for many
1: months. Well, I, sus- uh, I suspect you'll keep pushing them. I'm short on time, so let me get one more question here for John uh, John Brakey. Uh, there are also primaries on Tuesday in West Virginia, North Carolina, and Indiana, in addition to Ohio. Uh, do you know, do they use the same type of uh Machines in those states, and do you have any idea if they will retain ballot images? Uh, If so, and if not, why no lawsuits there, John?
0: Well, uh, the big thing is is that there's not enough of us, not enough money either. Right. And Indiana, we almost thought about jumping in there. We're looking at Kentucky, okay? We're negotiating in Virginia, and hopefully we don't have to, because it's not the choice of us wanting to sue. It's them refusing to follow the law. And that's what this whole thing is about, is to ask them very nicely, educate them professionally. And uh, because, you know, when I call those 15 counties in Ohio, I was very delighted to hear about how many counties would say, Oh, of course we want to save these images. They're very good for auditing and adjudication. It saves us a lot of time. <laughs> That's the result that we should be hearing from these people. When you look at Cuyahoga County and you look at Col- uh, Columbus, which is Franklin County, uh, you're talking about you know the two high, heavily Democratic districts and uh, with high minorities, and you wonder what the heck is going on.
1: I wonder what the heck is going on in Ohio uh, for, oh, several decades now, John Brakey. (laughs) I know you have, too. Uh, Chris Sauter and John Brakey, both of uh, Audit USA. You can find and support their work, their important work, now that they've got to go county by county, apparently, uh, some 4,000-something counties across the country. You can find their work at auditelectionsusa.org. And on Facebook at audit.ua, USA. Audit.usa. Do I have that right, John?
0: You certainly do.
1: All right. Thank you, gentlemen. Both of you, good Thank luck you. on the suit and stay in touch.
0: Appreciate it. Thank you, sir. You Great bet. Friend. Okay.
1: Okay. So from the Stormy Daniels mess to the Ohio elections mess, let's go to something much calmer and much easier. Desi Doyan. You're on deck. <laughs> and we'll take a quick break and we'll come back to your latest green news report. I'm sure that will calm all of us down. I'm Brad Friedman. This is the Bradcast.
2: <laughs> And thanks.
1: Welcome back to the Bradcast. Running late as usual. (laughs) No time for chit chat. So we will get to it. Our latest Green News report. With this latest reckless decision, the EPA did not just jeopardize our planet and our health. They also broke the
2: law. 17 states sue Trump administration over rollback of car emissions standards. This is a worst case scenario for government ethics. I I feel like I want my head to explode right now. More new ethics problems for EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt Pakistan sets all-time world heat record for the month of April. Plus, Russia launches the world's first floating nuclear power plant.
1: Fantastic. What could possibly go wrong? All of those stories and more straight ahead. From Bradblog.com, I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyan. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky
2: comment. We are killing our planet. Let us face it there is no planet b
1: uh yes there is it's called mars and elon musk is going to fly us there and we will all be eating matt damon's poop potatoes okay this is your green news report Okay, Dizzy Dorian, Scott Pruitt used to brag about the fact that he had sued the EPA 14 different times. Well, I guess what comes around, goes around.
2: Yes, it certainly does. A coalition of 17 states and the District of Columbia filed suit against the Trump Environmental Protection Agency on Tuesday, arguing that the administration's attempt to weaken Obama-era fuel economy and emissions standards for cars and trucks is against the law. The states, led by California, allege the rollback is arbitrary and unsupported by evidence and would increase health care costs and climate change impacts. In a press conference, California's Democratic Governor Jerry Brown was characteristically blunt.
3: He's breaking the law. He's uh, flouting the Clean Air Act and the uh, legitimate needs and well-being of the American people. This is about health. It's about life and death. Pruitt, and I suppose his boss, Mr. Trump, uh, they want people uh, to buy more gas, uh, create more pollution. Hard to believe, but that's the fact.
2: The 17 states represent 44 percent of U.S. car sales. Governor Brown and some auto industry analysts warn that weakening the standards could hamstring the U.S. auto industry because the rest of the world is transitioning to cleaner cars and trucks.
1: Which means they're going to be able to sell a lot more cars and the U.S. auto industry is going to be caught out again.
2: More troubles for EPA Administrator Scott Pruitt. Two of his top aides resigned this week related to Pruitt's questionable spending and ethics. Now, new reports reveal that Pruitt's exorbitantly costly trip to Morocco last year was actually organized by a lobbyist who was then subsequently hired by Morocco to lobby the U.S. government. Nice. Former federal ethics chief Walter Schaub told CNN. It's Inconceivable in any other administration that he'd still be in this position, particularly because the whole point of the trip seems to have been to promote natural gas industry interests, and it's really not clear what an EPA administrator has to do with that.
1: Well, it depends if that EPA administrator is Scott Pruitt and has been funded for years by the fossil fuel industry.
2: And now the Washington Post reports that a billionaire who advised Trump on deregulation has himself received a special exemption from regulation. The EPA this week quietly granted billionaire Carl Icahn a special financial hardship waiver worth millions of dollars that exempts an oil refinery he owns from renewable fuel blending regulations. Icahn was forced to step down as a Trump advisor last year amid corruption allegations that that he was using his position to benefit his investments.
1: Billionaire Carl Icahn got a hardship waiver?
2: For a profitable refinery.
1: Poor guy.
2: Meanwhile, the impacts of global warming caused by burning fossil fuels continue to accelerate. Pakistan, on April 30th, hit 122 degrees Fahrenheit. Now, if confirmed, that would be a new world record for the hottest April temperature ever reliably recorded on the entire planet. Wow. But some good news for breathers. New York City this week announced plans to electrify their entire bus fleet by 2040. Even better news, Shenzhen, China announced it. It has already converted its entire fleet of 13,000 buses to electric, and they did it in just three years. In Hawaii, a bipartisan, unanimous vote in the state legislature made Hawaii the first state in the nation to commit to 100 percent renewable electricity and a statewide net zero carbon emissions economy by 2045. Nice. And finally, Russia has launched the world's first floating nuclear power plant, and it's headed on a very slow barge to the Arctic, where it will begin operations sometime next year. It's part of a planned fleet of floating nuke plants that Greenpeace warns could cause Chernobyl on ice. Not
1: as nice. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, please check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. Find us, follow us, and share us worldwide on the Facebooks and the Twitters at Green News Report. I'm Brad Friedman. And
2: I'm Desi Doyle, And this has been your
1: Green News Report. Yes, please make it stop. (laughs) You know, it looked like we were going to get out with good news there at the end of your Green News Report until you had to bring up that whole Russia thing. Yeah, what could uh,
2: possibly go wrong? Yeah, right?
1: Uh, But there is some good news in there. There is. If one bothers to listen closely, (laughs) got to do what we can. Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. And thanks to uh, my guests today, John Brakey and Chris Sauter of... Audit USA, and thanks to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It is greatly appreciated. If you missed any portion of today's show or any other, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com. I thank those of you mightily who stop by bradblog.com slash donate to help us continue to do what we try to do every day over your public airwaves, particularly those of you who sign up for a monthly subscription of any amount you like. We, uh, we very much rely on you here, only you, so uh, thank you. You can drop me email if you like. I'm Bradcast at Bradblog.com and on the Facebooks and the Twitters, I am just the Brad Blog. We'll see you there until we see you next time. I'm Brad Friedman. Good luck, world. Russia.